You know, I don't even know which like, one's better. There's they both just they're, they're both, so stupid. They're both so not stupid. like that's not like a comment on the situation. Just like he he looks so stupid. I know that's situations. why I'm laughing. Like it's just like it's just like oh yeah, but then like no one's no one's commenting on the fact that that Reed looks so ridiculous right now. Like I don't know. I don't he know why. Just looked like fucking sleeping <laughs> baby or something. Just, I kind of imagine like a fairy dust. Just kind yeah. of sparkling around him with, and he's got like rosy cheeks, and he's just so helpless. A little helpless like boy. A, a bale of roses, and yeah, he's holding flowers. Yeah, or like little birds are like <laughs> holding his him up by his clothes. <laughs> oh God. This week, we'll be talking about the third book in the Serpent and Dove series, Gods and Monsters. My name is Melissa. And I'm Bethany. And I just want to do, before we get started, on this glorious third book of this glorious trilogy, I want to do a call out to my husband, Milo Mullins, who composed and recorded the intro and outro music to our podcast. So... We owe him our firstborns, which makes yes. a lot more sense for you than it yeah. does for me. If we had any firstborns. We've got your um, cats. Cats. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone needs podcast music, just hit us up. He's He's got it. So Gods and Monsters. We literally had a week to read it. We just got finished with Blood and Honey. We're hoping for a little bit of uplift i think it was I it, think it definitely was, was. it was yeah. so good i read it so fast i just loved it so much so much happened so yeah. much happened like i felt like the beginning of it like i would say the first third of it was like its own ending yeah and then there was like another kind of ending and then the ending it was just like this succession of everyone yeah. coming home with things you know in a good way too it's not like lord of the rings where there's yeah, like exactly. fade outs yeah <laughs> it was like a succinct story and yes. then like each of them were satisfying which was nice honestly it could have been like another three books yeah kind of the, the biggest difference between like this one and the previous books was that the previous books were so structured around like a very specific plot point mm-hmm Whereas this one had um, multiple plans that went through, whereas like Blood and Honey, the one plan was to get allies, to try to defeat mm -hmm. Morgaine at the funeral. Whereas this one, we kind of had a plan at the beginning and then that fell through. And then there was a second whole set of things that happened, which led into like a kind of half three, which eventually led into what ends up happening. Right. In which I, I'll say this, I won't say it was like a super strong plot, like it was just kind of like fumbling, like it, it just reminds me of like, it was like when they go to the low melancholy and meet uh, Coco's mom and she's like, go get the ring and bring it back. Like it was just kind of yeah. like, go fetch me like something. Fairy tale. 
Yeah, it was very, you know, and that's that's very, very common, like, trope or whatever mm-hmm. plot, like, device. It just reminded me of, like, I don't know if anyone out there plays Skyrim, but you know what I'm talking about when every quest is go get me this sword out of the cave <laughs> and every yeah. cave is the same and you're just kind of, like, after a while, you're just like, oh, don't get me wrong, I fucking love that game and I play it every year, but... And this book. It gets, yes, it gets kind of... So it, it just kind of felt like, oh, like, go get this. Okay, whatever. We'll get into it. But Well, let's also you were just saying, feel like this book is much more character-driven than yeah. plot-driven. It was stronger because of that. Because when you have, like, this yeah. very drawn-out plot, like, in, in Blood and Honey, mm-hmm. where there's, like, a defined bit to this one quest that they're on, you have to fit a lot of, like, character yeah. shit into it, whereas... Be- and it doesn't always feel, like, grounded. Yeah, and I, exactly. I agree, because, like, getting the ring wasn't, like, a big thing. It didn't yeah. feel like it, because you had a lot going on with, like, characters. Yeah, like, the, the, the character interactions within that whole sequence mm-hmm. were far more important than just getting the ring. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, other first thoughts, though, same. I, I also read this. This is probably one of the faster reads that I've had in a while. Mm-hmm. Not just because we knew that we wanted to record this soon, but mm-hmm. because I couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. I think I think I read the second two parts, like the second half of the book in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Because after Reed's whole situation, I couldn't, I had to put it down for a couple of days. <laughs> I was like, this is no. too much. Yeah, so it like, so we leave off with Blood and Honey. Lou's literally possessed. And we don't even know exactly how or who or why or what. Like, we just know it's Lavoisan and Nicolina do it. And it isn't yeah, like very, until... Very minimal details. Yeah, and it isn't until you open up Gods and Monsters that there's a Nicolina chapter. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay. So they're kind of fumbling around, around on the outskirts of the city because they can't go. It's, like, burning. Yeah. And they're, like, starving and stuff. And they have... Reed kind of mistake lose weirdness for um, grieving Ansel. Mm-hmm. And I love that part where Coco's like, is she pregnant? And I yeah. fucking loved that Reed was like, no, her cycle was two weeks ago. I love that he knew when she bled. That's just so yeah. cute. Well, he also like on a few occasions up until we find out, like, well, up until they find out what's happened, where he very clearly knows that it's not her, but he can't put it into words. Like it's mm-hmm. some kind of like magic sixth sense. And so his brain yeah. is telling him and his gut is telling him something different. Yeah, no, he definitely knows she's not herself. Yeah. But not in like a, oh, she's just grieving kind of way. Everyone's grieving. Yeah. But she's still like the odd one out. She's being yeah, fucking there's, weird. There's this exchange that they have where, uh, I'm just going to call her Nicolina. Um, Nicolina and him are laying together and... On the pew. Yeah, it's on the pew mm-hmm. because she says something along the lines of like, well, not everyone has to die, Reed. And he says, like, he closed his eyes and he imagined that it was a different Lou that was mm-hmm. laying on him and talking to him. Yeah. yeah. And that was really sad because he's like, then I opened my eyes and the spell was broken. And I'm like, oh, poor yeah. man. Yeah. Poor man. It's not his wife. My wife. <laughs> Yeah, but you kind of, kind of, uh, 
you know, root around with them for a minute. You meet, like, Father Achille. But then it, like, shit doesn't really start to go down until you go- get to the lighthouse. Yeah. And the lighthouse, that was super, like, creepy and cool. I was really was. into it. At that point, I was like, Nicolina's not even trying to hide anymore, though. Because she's like, is that what you're afraid of? Decapitation? And I'm like, Lou would never ask that. Are you mm-hmm. even trying to hide yourself? But you all- we also see... So kind of, I guess, kind of leading up to this, we see how much Reed is using magic now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so he's moved past all of the stuff in the second book. I don't really think we need to like break down why that might've happened because it could have happened for any number of reasons. I kind of like that we just get him using magic in in the next book. We don't have to deal with that all over again. (laughs) But we also see, because previously Lou has been the driving force in why these people are all together. Mm -hmm. Right. And I guess in maybe a darker way she still is, but they're working together in a much different way. They're not working together in spite of themselves. They're working together because they want to now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's that. So the lighthouse, so they walk in and there was, it was just such a like, like I felt like I was in a movie because there was that, point where like the door slammed and everyone freaked yeah. out and I was like I freaked out I was like oh my god that happened and then and then Reed has to like walk over open it and be like everything's fine like he's like the dad I mean he's definitely scared too but he's like he knows he has to be like the man see there's nothing wrong <laughs> yeah yeah Double he's convincing like- himself yeah <laughs> There's this really great line, though, that I liked um, where, yeah, we'll just call her Nicolina. What did we call it? What did we call her in our, like... Nicolina Lou. Nicolina Lou, which we can't say with a straight face. No. (laughs) (laughs) So they're walking through the lighthouse, Nicolina and Reed, and she says, can you scent it? It coats the ropes, paints the glass. The entire room is slick with it. And Reed's like, I don't scent anything. And she says, perhaps it's your fear I smell then, not the Kashamar or whatever. So they know that the Kashamar's coming. They there's this, they know that the Kashamar's there and they have this idea from like lore or whatever that it creates your greatest fear or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, it reminded me of the Harry Potter thing. What is that? Uh, Boggart. Yeah, it's like a Boggart. And so they're preparing to be scared. Um, and Which I just, is just like... making them all so much more tense. <laughs> no, it's like, really but was like, just for other purposes. Yeah. Can everyone tell me right now that they won't ever forget about me? Yeah. <laughs> Poor baby. Did you relate with that? Yeah, I think yeah. I did. I think yeah. I did. Um, I liked Bo a lot more in this book, though. Yeah, I love. Not that Bo. I didn't like him before. I enjoyed him before too, but like a lot more. It was more enjoyable what they put him through. Yeah. He's been properly hazed now. Yeah. So. <laughs> so now he has to be redeemed. Yeah. But yeah, like, I don't know why I like dog-eared that page like you do in a Kindle. Later it comes up when they're at the stake. And Reed says, like, they coated the ropes. Like, it was just such a, the imagery around it. There was just so many, like, symbolic, like, little nest eggs that she like put everywhere that just like made you feel so like succinct with what was going on. Mm-hmm. It just felt so connected. It felt kind of like almost like Pavlovian because it was like it evoked mm. fear the first time. And then it kind of draws that out again. Yeah. Cause it's like, there's, there's this like coming back 
to the same things like for example after the kashmar reed freaks out because it's theory and theory will know that it's nicolina not mm-hmm. lou and so she runs off and then theories like catch her and then reed's like running like down the stairs or whatever mm-hmm. and there's he just has this moment where he's like i don't know why but i just had to catch her yeah um and then there's the i'll find you later in the middle of the book and then towards the end of the book he says it again like i'll find you again lou and then he remembers right there's a lot of like these reminders that things mm-hmm. have meaning where in the last book everything felt very chaotic and not like it had a purpose for like the greater good i feel like this was like riddled in like all of these like little like signs of hope yes i mean first of all i do want to go back to hope because i feel like fear and hope are kind of this like mm-hmm. metronome of the whole plot the whole book yeah. bounces on back and forth but so in in blood and honey they were constantly like three steps behind morgaine even when they thought they were ahead of her mm-hmm she was constantly like catching them, knowing what they were going to do, tricking them in a way that she knew would trick them. But in this book, there's also the sense that they have more power than they did previously. Mm-hmm. Because they do. The, the tables have turned in their favor. And they still have to prove themselves a couple of times, like the ring, low melancholy, when you have to drink from it and everything. So they're still proving themselves, but they're not playing at a handicap like they were before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why this book feels more hopeful than the last one did. Like the last one, we were begging for it. This yeah. time it was constantly given to us. Yeah. It delivered. Yes. And yeah, there's that. He chases her down and he's like pinning her on the ground. And it was right when they realized that it was Nicolina, right? Is that yeah. when Coco cries and so makes Coco's the scar? So Coco's got the locket. Because Seely, like, stole a bunch of stuff from her family's uh, safe. Right. And so the locket has a mirror that only shows the truth. Mm-hmm. Because it's got, like, Angelica's tears or something. Which, I mean, I can't believe that I didn't realize that Angelica was going to be Coco's mom. Right. Because her her tears started a fire. Yeah. Tears. Okay. Um, but they hold up the mirror after they catch Lou. And they see Nicolina in it. Mm-hmm. And that's how they know. Yeah. But then she cries. Coco, the scar. I'm trying to get, is that that oh, moment? Yeah. So they, they have to like knock Lou out and they're trying, they're trying to figure out what their next step is going to be. Yeah. And that's when, that's when Reed has the line where he, he starts that whole trail, the, that other connecting thread, which is yes. hope isn't the sickness. It's the cure. Yes. Yes. And Coco, Coco sheds tears. And it's the, it's that line. It's the reminder that it's hope that Mm -hmm. makes it, makes Coco's tears not burn, but heal. And it turns Lou's scar into like a rose with thorns. Yeah. I like that detail because we're kind of also getting the, I guess like the foreshadowing for later because the eternal flames, the like the eternal fire that's happening, that black fire in uh Cesarine was because of her tears of grief over Ansel. And so later when coming to terms with the fact that she loves Bo is what mm-hmm. brings the fire or brings the storm that clears out the fire. And so like I guess the 
the notion that tears aren't always sad. Yes, they're healing. They're healing. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. That's good. Good one. one good one, Melissa. Put that on your list of things you did well today. Thank you. <laughs> it's a very long list. <laughs> so they realize Lou is Nicolina, and that's. That's like the turning point. So, yeah. Like that changes the plot. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because what we thought was going to be the plan is no longer the plan because they have to fix this issue. And I think this is the point when it definitely shifts towards that more character driven. Yeah. Because even they... they don't really have a clue what they're doing at first. Yeah. But now they like very firmly know. And the plan isn't we need to go to low melancholic. The plan is we need to save Lou. Yeah. So we're going here. Yeah, exactly. It makes way it makes a lot more sense. So they get there and it's kind of a this is when you start going into different universes. You start <laughs> descending. It's like inception. It, that's what it felt like to me. Oh my gosh. I also So this part was like when specifically Lou I don't think we see anyone else go. Like, we don't really see what... It, I don't know. I can't remember. Go where? Like, what they saw in the water, what they saw when they drank it. I think we see something from Reed. Yeah. But we definitely don't see Coco's. But what stuck with me was what, what Lou saw. So this... Okay. So, throughout this, though, we do get little snippets of chapters from Lou, which yeah. are her, like, in nothingness and, like, Nicolina's consciousness. And there's this, like... they It's called Legion... And so it's they, like, like named themselves. They named even like they're like we don't really call ourselves that. We just tell the new people that. Yeah. And it's just like all of these like mice, this kind of like figurative mm -hmm. rat's nest or something. But like the souls uh, she, of everyone else she's stolen. Yes, and uh, she sees Etienne. So there you go. And you know, like obviously we know we know that we know like La Voisson and. Nicolina were all and Morgan were all part of that, but here is like viable proof that Nicolina is responsible for that little mishap. Yes, and that it goes back farther than we thought it did, because I think kind of at the end of book two, there's this sense that like maybe they just started working with Morgan, like they they've switched sides because they don't think that she can do it, but then we just have like irrefutable proof that. Wasson's been helping her from the start. Right. Yes. And I feel like this was really important because you had like help me come up with words for like what Legion is. It's like this I want to say like I've swarm mind. hive. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know me. You know you know what I mean. Um, We've only had several classes together. <laughs> and several episodes. Yes. Legion is like this hive minded thing that like once you're in it, like once you get sucked in, like you lose your sense of self. Mm -hmm. And so Lou desperately doesn't want to lose herself and doesn't want to get stuck. And so she's mm -hmm. repeating the names of the ragtag team <laughs> of like, what does she say? Reed, Coco, Bo, Ansel, Madame LaBelle, like over and over and over again to like remember who she is. And I feel like this is really important because we know since book one, Lou has been very much surviving, running, 
escaping, thieving, lying, Mm -hmm. you know, and she hasn't really, she's never accepted life for herself, really. She's just been running. She has not been living. That comes full circle here. And it begins with Etienne. It begins with her getting sucked into Nicolina's consciousness and wanting to be, wanting to distinguish herself from the hive. And so it's important that she's, she's calling out the names of the people that she loves because that is, that is life. That is living is the people that you love, your connection to other people. Um, And so there's this passage that I wrote down. Oh, here it is. So Lou has to constantly remind Etienne what his name is because he's forgetting his name because he's been there a little bit longer than Mm -hmm. Lou. And it says, he's forgotten his own name again. So I remind him, I will keep reminding him. Reed, Coco, Bo, Ansel, Madame LaBelle. It's Etienne. You are Etienne. And I feel like this is like important to her because, and this is what I'm talking about in the last episode was there's that moment on the rooftop where we're just kind of like, it's supposed to be like this like breakthrough of hers, but it didn't mm. feel like it. This is what I'm talking about though. Mm-hmm. Is this is the breakthrough? She needed to see. She needed to fight for Etienne. Yeah. And it was this symbol of fighting for herself, for fighting for life. Yeah. Because um, at that time, like in that in that moment in that chapter, fighting for Etienne is equivalent to fighting for herself, mm-hmm. because they're even though she hasn't been fully absorbed by Legion just yet. She also acknowledges that her mind is still in there. They can, they still have complete access to it. So like when Etienne gave his name, he had very few memories, but they Mm -hmm. pulled the rest from her memories. Yeah. Which means Etienne was nearly gone. Yeah. And so she could save him. She could save herself. Mm -hmm. I also, so one of the issues that we had, I guess not issues, but questions we had in the recent in blood and honey was whether it was the white threads that were corrupting her or if it was more gains more gain or like how that was happening yeah we 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 were under the impression that something magical was happening to influence her i like we were we were pretty positive about it we were like something's going on i'm still kind of on that track but like different now so hear me Mm -hmm. out Mm mm-hmm so when she was seeing the white threads, there's no reason that she should have seen them at that point because her mother, Morgane, was still La Dame Sorcier. Mm-hmm. So all of the white threads that she was seeing would have been kind of tainted almost by Morgane. And so I think that's part of the reason that that's happening because the power that I guess like the gods are like testing her with or that she's being kind of introduced to isn't quite free of Morgane yet. And Morgane's right. the evil one, which we find out because in in book three, she's still a bitch. She's still yeah. the worst, but she no longer has that magic. Lou does. And when Lou gets it in this book, she, it feels like she describes it so beautifully. Like it feels like she just mm-hmm. is things. Yeah. But there's this quote that Nicolina has at the very beginning of uh, part two, when she's still... They've still got Lou, but I think we found out that it's actually Nicolina. Let's see here. We can only obey, even if something is wrong, even if below the gold magic, a newfound presence lingers, a newfound presence waits. I do not like it. 
I cannot use it. Unknown to the mouse, it coils like a snake preparing to strike, to protect. It is a gift and it frightens us. We cannot be frightened. And so we know that at this point, hmm. Lou has the power, even though Lou doesn't know it yet mm -hmm. because her mom's lost it. Do you think Nicolina has recognized it in her? Yes. Because that's her consciousness talking. That's mm -hmm. the newfound presence that lingers underneath right. the gold magic. And so Ladon Sorcier's magic is just like waiting for Lou to be ready to fight it. So like Nicolina's thinking she's going to be like able to harness that, do you think? No, I don't. I th she seems scared of it. Right. It, it sounds like she can already actually access the gold magic. So she can access Lou's usual golden threads. Mm -hmm. But she's actually scared right. of, she says, it's the presence is like waiting. Hmm. The entire tone shifts when she talks about the white threads. And so I just love that because what we see now is that the power, that like that sheer amount of power wasn't corrupting Lou. Yeah. That power is comforting. It's protecting. It's preparing to strike in order to help Lou overcome Nicolina. And you're very happy about that. I am. I am because I because you were really worried that the magic was get, like demonized and yeah, because we were only getting mm -hmm. like very evil representations of it, and it was frustrating. Yeah. It's like I love magic that's just happy, protective. good magic, good magic. Yeah, where the fuck is Glinda? Yeah, where's the rainbows and the unicorns? Yeah, um, I think it also uh, speaks to how old and how just how powerful. Madame Sorcier's magic is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because Nicolina is old as dirt. Yes. In her flashback, Lou, like when they have that, that whole flashback bit, mm -hmm. Lou is like, I kind of recognize these mountains, but they look different yeah. from what I remember playing under them, which means Nicolina's like super old. Yeah. Segwaying into that scene, because I just made a connection. And I think this is why it's important to listen to the episode before, because I'm like, <laughs> connections. Yes. Um, the last episode, we were talking a lot about Lou's lack of self-awareness mm -hmm. and the fact that she can't see past her own insecurities to, like, deal with what's actually going on with, like, her and Reed and in their relationship. And this is, like, it's such a learning and healing moment for her because so she is in this old place. She sees Nicola is was her name and she's young and she has a son matthew and matthew asks her to like sing to him and they sing and they have this like really lovely moment and as they're watching so like lou looks at nicolina and is like her face softens as she remembers like what's going on and lou says she had once been beautiful, not just of face and form, but also of spirit. But beauty faded with time, and Nicolina had lived too long. And just realizing that she had a, like, she had a son that was, like, taken away from her, that died. Everyone she knew died. And so that's kind of what started the, the descent of Nicoli Nicola to Nicolina. Mm -hmm. And so this is what was happening with Lou, essentially. Lou had a rough start in life, you know? Yeah. She, she's been surviving. She's been running. But this is a clear example of empathy forging a way out of grief and desperation. Because that's what Reed needed in the last book was empathy, right? 
And now she's learning, oh, there's like this other side. And so she's, she's feeling humbled and expanded. And it's like, sometimes you have to just get out of your own head, which is what she's been in for so long. And like, like, yes, she has like sacrificed herself for like people like in the moment and stuff. And she will do what she has to do to like save the people she loves. But she also needs to understand where they're coming from. And anyways, I thought that was such a brilliant Nicolina is like this brilliant foil to what like living in complete fear of death is also because now Lou's recklessness can account for like having to go down that path. Like Lou was ready to go where Nicolina is. Maybe it was a a bit of an extreme (laughs) like example, Nicolina, but that is where like Lou was headed. And so then I want to make the argument that Reed and Ansel are new blood that come into Lou's life and their perspective like rubs off on Lou. So Reed has this like moral conscience and it justifies Lou's need to fight for her life because he's like, this is wrong. Whereas mm-hmm. Lou is just kind of like, I'm running cause I don't want to die. Whereas now yeah. she's like, I'm running because this is wrong and this is not how you should use magic. And Ansel has just kind of this like, lovely lighthearted, you know innocent inquisitive nature that keeps them like together looking forward ansel's the person like he he exemplifies what they're fighting for exactly yes yes it also you can't look past the fact that when they're in these flashbacks these like mind space inception fighting Mm -hmm. rings that it's ansel teaching Lou not to fear death that helps Mm -hmm. her get out of there. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why it's so important that Ansel shows up at that moment. Yeah. He replaces that path that Lou was going down. Yeah. And plus he says that line where he's like, you've been living too afraid. And she says, I've used fear to survive. And he Mm -hmm. says, no, you're not living something along those lines. Yes. Yes. And then looking back at the things that he did along the way, he's the one who supported a witch while he was in the tower. Mm-hmm. He's the one who convinced Reed yeah. to run off and help them save her. He's the one who followed her into the tunnels. And so he's constantly, even though he's not the strongest and he, he doesn't have magic, and so he's definitely working at a deficit to the others, he's the one who's living more fearlessly than they are. He's the spirit. Yeah. This was like the moment we had been all waiting for in Blood and Honey that never really came. Yeah. Um, And so it came. It was like one of the first things she checks off. Lou needs to get her shit together. Confront some of her previous actions. Yeah. I think during that whole, those like three or four chapters, the part where I cried the most though is when they're sitting mm. in in Lou's like paradise and Ansel just looks at her and he says, I'm okay, Lou. And I just closed the book and I had to stop for a second because yes, she needed to see like, as much as she was like letting Ansel's death fuel some of her self pity, having to look down at his body, like that's that you have to look mm. down at your actions yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But the other side of that is and I feel like we kind of talked about this yesterday. She gets so self-pitying mm-hmm. that she just 
makes it all about her. She's yeah. not paying attention to the fact that Ans like Ansel's sitting right in front of her and he's okay. He's like, yeah, death happened, but it's not an ending. I'm continuing in a different way. Like, get out of your own ass for a second and just look at me and look at how okay I am. Yeah, it it was really... And this may or may not account for the fact that I was a little high when I read this part. <laughs> so, like, the inception of them just, like, fighting and whirling down in these different scenes was just quite the experience. Um, but there was a moment when I thought, like, I believed Lou that she just was going to succumb to oh, yeah. death. That she was just going to be like, I'll just die. Like, yeah. it was probably the only moment in any book where I thought that was the answer <laughs> was that they would die because you know, in every book you read, especially like fantasy, whatever it's like, you know, they're never going to kill the main character. Like, yeah, this is not game of Thrones, you know, and there are happy endings. Right. But this was the first time I've ever felt like, I don't know, maybe that is the answer. Like, <laughs> like I was just like there with her and it was like, not good. But then she says, Ansel deserved better. He deserved more than my self pity. And then yeah. you're like, okay. And then you like come back and she needed to realize that. And that's like the last straw that broke the camel's back of like her being like, I have to fight for my life for mm -hmm. those that I love because of what they're doing, what I'm doing, what we're standing for. And yeah. Ansel is the example of that, of yeah. what they're standing for. He quite literally stands in the way of Nicolina. Yeah. And fearlessly, yeah. like he, in death, he has found the strength that he so desperately wanted in life. And so not that like she needs to feel happy about Ansel's death, but she doesn't have to blame herself for like his life ending. Yes. Whew. Yes. So that was like the ending of a book. Book one. <laughs> yeah. Book one. <laughs> and then they come out and like, I think it's Lou's, uh, it's Reed's point of view when he realized it's her, you know, she like wakes up and it's like, yeah. Oh, we did forget. We did forget the part where he throws Nicolina Lou's body <laughs> into the low melancholic and he says like he goes we finish this now Nicolina get the hell out of my wife and then he just chucks her in and it's like she fucking deserves it I know but I found it so visually pleasing to just imagine him because he's like close to like seven feet tall I'm assuming yeah and he's just she's got to be at least five feet off the floor or off the ground just thrown into this water <laughs> such a great great image yeah yeah so then i think that's like the only real moment too when we like see morgaine like stand off every every other place she's kind of sneaking in the shadows she comes up with like all of the dom's blanches and the dom's rouges yeah because isla and angelica would definitely fuck them up yeah I do want to talk about a couple of character things leading up to this point, though. Yes, go ahead. So, first of all, Saley. I recently found out that we said her name wrong every other previous time, and so I'm going to do my best to call her her <laughs> real name from here on out, but please do not hold me to it. Or me. So Saley showed up at the very beginning when they were in the, the church that Father mm -hmm. Achille was parsonage of. And at first I was really annoyed because I, I feel like I didn't really keep it that secret, but I was really annoyed by Saley in the first two books. Mm -hmm. And it's not by anything she did. I just, I get annoyed by that damsel character really easily. 
And so I was thinking like, this is the last thing that they need. They already don't really have Lou on their side at the moment. Mm -hmm. Coco is distraught because she's this love triangle between her, Ansel and Bo has really, it's, Mm -hmm. it's gone a completely different way than any of us could have anticipated. And so they're dealing with that. And then Salie just shows up out of nowhere. She doesn't have a carriage. She's just stolen this huge bag of shit from her parents. And so at first I was very, very frustrated with the fact that she was about to join their group. However, she really turned it around. And I would argue that after Ansel's death, they desperately needed her energy within the group. No, yeah, it was, it was, she was a good balance. And I'm kind of glad she's not, not a big enough character for them to be like, and this is why she's like all strong now, you know, it's like, she just, she just shows up and she's exactly what everyone needs. And it's like, so nice. And it also makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. her, her development throughout the book wasn't unfounded. Mm -hmm. Like she gets mad at them several times because she's like, were you locked up? in your own sister's tomb mm-hmm. while her body decayed next to you? No, I was. Yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And so like, I really, really gained respect for her. And Ansel was this character where he exemplified the spirit, right? He exemplified what they're fighting for. Mm-hmm. And Saley did that on more than one occasion, very explicitly too. She's the one who convinces them to try a true love's kiss on Reed. Yeah. She's the one who gets mad at Jean-Luc and says, you don't fight the occult, you fight evil. Yeah. She consistently reminds them why they're there. She's the new Ansel. She's the one that's like, when they're in the chateau and it's snowing and she's like feeling it on their fingers and like Reed and Jean-Luc are like watching her and she's like, it's so beautiful. And then Jean-Luc's like, it's not, it's not, it's bad. It's Mm -hmm. magic. And she's like, can't it be both? Yeah. And then the passage says like, and then we all thought, can't she be both? Yep. But yeah, they, they like, they desperately needed that lightheartedness because like we've, we kind of dropped before is hope was like a big overarching theme Mm -hmm. throughout this book. They keep getting it. But in the past where they, where they have actively sought it out, where they've been like, yeah, we can do this. We're going to fly by the seat of our pants the entire time and it'll go well. This time they've kind of had their asses handed to them. And so they're all mopey, which is fair. But Salie needed to come in there and show them Mm -hmm. why they had to do the shit that they had to do. So immediately on the beach, though, Morgane and her bitches come. And Reed pulls a new one. Decides to be real witchy. He's like holding Lou. And they're like in the water and the waves are like crashing around them, right? And then he's searching for threads and like trying to figure out a solution. And then he just shouts, I'll find you. Yeah. And then he's out. And then she has this, what, 300 pound man to like (laughs) try and get through the water. I was like, nice one, Reed. Like, (laughs) just kind of leave it like slightly closer. Like at least go to your feet touch. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Um, The thing about that is that the, that thread he mentions earlier, we don't know what it is. Oh yeah. But he had definitely seen the thread earlier. And so one thing that we've, it's kind of come up a couple of times while, while discussing these books is 
how prominent, I guess, fate is within this universe. Yeah. And so I think it does beg the question of if this thread was showing up earlier, before Lou was freed, then in order for their plan to all work, in order for them to defeat Morgaine and bring peace to the land, he had to do this thread. Mm. And so I, I, where we see stress, who, whatever triple goddess or Isla or Claude, whoever whoever's orchestrating all of this, or even if it's somebody, something larger than them, he had to do that. And so what that leads to is Reed and Lou getting to fall in love honestly. Yes. Yes. That was one of the first things I really noticed. I was like, Mahurin is giving Reed a chance to fall in love with Lou as a witch. Mm-hmm. She's giving us all the do-over of that. Yeah. Um, and and it doesn't feel redundant, and it doesn't feel like we've been here before. It feels completely new. A lot is at stake. Reed is like wanting to murder her like it's pretty it's pretty fucked up yeah it's it feels really enemies to lovers oh yeah 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 the first time around i'm like is it though because he doesn't know that they're really enemies yeah but this time around he goes in and he's like i'm gonna kill her yeah so before yeah (laughs) no go because i'm gonna start talking about sex before we get into that, we need to talk about, like, melazines and stuff. Yes, yeah. Yes. So let's do that. I'll let you head that up. Okay. So, first of all, if you are a follower of our Instagram, then you'll know that we both have a fear of the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I was reading this, every time Ahern said that the water was, like, dark, it wasn't. I think she was lying, and in my head it was very clear and perfect water. And you could see everything... You could see everything. Miles there, was away. No, there was no hidden threats. There was no random eyes opening because you could see the body it was attached to. Yes. And everything was safe. Yes. I really like the way that she designed them like within the story. I like that they're really ostentatious. It felt yeah. kind of almost like drag. Otherworldly. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're like exaggerating yeah. these, these yeah. mores and these styles to the point where they lose meaning. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Like the salted sea lettuce. Yeah. It becomes yesterday's jam yet. Like, so like quickly mm-hmm. it's the, the society, the etiquette, politeness or whatever is just so untruthful in yeah. the waters of truth. It's a great like dichotomy. Yes. I loved what she did with that. I loved that you had some of the melazines were walking around naked with like a fancy necklace on and others were in full gowns and they called it their treasures because it was things that they'd stolen from ships that they'd sank <laughs> ships that were stupid enough to roam through their waters so i also love them this gave me like the hint miss like romance novel reader that things are going to start getting steamy because it was this moment where something someone was wearing and it was just like they were just like more they were all like half naked and stuff Bo and everyone is just kind of like what's going on and and then there's like there's this exchange between like uh coco and lou and one of the melazines i can't remember her name because they all have like really fun names 
and she was just like really assertive and like really proud of like her body and her sexuality and they just both looked at each other and were like I like her like it was just like yeah. it's very like oh things are shifting like things are like getting into that kind of territory of like why would why would we include that you know mm-hmm. it was kind of interesting and then yeah and then you have like these like naked men with like rubies in their nipples <laughs> it's just there's, like so like detailed <laughs> there's also this line where let me see let me find it Okay, I think this is the one. So, oh God, I'm going to butcher the, the name. Eglantine yep. says to Coco, she's like, you've always been beautiful, but I must say your breasts are an exquisite addition because they're all honest. Yeah. And so she's, yeah, so she's almost like subverting what we would consider to be mannerly by taking it too far and talking about her boobs. Like you would never talk about that in polite society. Yeah. She does it so confidently that it would be like rude not to like take exactly, it for what it is. Exactly. Yeah. She's just like complimenting this girl she's watched grow up and she's like, your boobs are amazing. <laughs> and I, I, I love that. I love how absurd they are. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we do, we get the line later from Bo where he's like, she was twisting my words. I think yeah. you're extraordinary. And so we know that like, even though it's truthful waters, there's still, what is it? There's the chapter that's called Lie of Omission. Yeah. Which I guess can get through. And that's why Saley is really good at yeah. looking good to them. Yeah. And minor detail. I really didn't like how much they brought up how much mildew was like in the I area. Didn't, okay. Yeah. I agreed. Agreed. I everything like was wet. Everything was like spongy. I was like, my ass was acting up just reading about it. And it was interesting because the way it was described was like, oh, and the curtains were all like used to be like ripped and now they've like sewn it in with seaweed. And I'm like, that sounds disgusting and weird. Or like the well, like the fainting couch where it was like, it looked like it was red at some point, but now it was just gray. And I'm like, that's fucking disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I was like, but like she wasn't saying it was disgusting. And I was just like, what's going I on? I draw my own conclusions. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. I think it's I think it's more of an example of the people. Like, we're, no, we're supposed to, because it was before we went to the dinner, so we didn't really know who Isla was. Yeah. She could have been, like, this really cool, like, ally. She ended up being, like, a butt. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think, I think we were supposed to f- be feeling a little on edge. Yeah, and not no. get our hopes up too much. And I think that was like a really brilliant way of doing that. Agreed. Agreed. Um, okay. So they arrive at this castle and immediately everyone loves Saley because she, mm-hmm. she knows how to perform in polite society. She's a classic aristocrat. I'm glad that I already brought up Saley already because this is the part of the book where she moves from being this kind of fifth wheel, this tag along to being a good friend to Lou and Coco. Yeah. yeah, it's very intimate when they're like brushing each other's hair and Yep. Yeah. So she kind of sneaks her way into Lou and Coco's room, which they end up none of them end up staying there at the castle overnight like they planned to. Mhm. So the room is really just for this cute little scene, which I appreciate. I'm down for it. But basically Coco's all distraught because everyone just got to see her family trauma. Yeah. And Lou is still frustrated over the fact that she just got her body back and now she's lost Reed. Yeah. And so as girls do, everyone sits and they start doing each other's hair. 
yeah. to kind of calm. Like, it's, it's nice, you know, they're brushing each other's hair, they're yeah. braiding, the, the tender touches of somebody you trust. Saylee says some really emotional shit. She talks about her mom not really being there for her and her sister when she was younger. Her sister's the one who taught her how to pick locks. And so we find this other side of Saylee that wasn't really there before. You can really feel the loneliness that she's felt since her sister died. So we've got the trauma already of her being in the casket with her sister in the tomb. But then also the fact that her sister was pretty much her only friend growing up. And so when she lost her sister, she lost her only emotional support. And so there's that unsaid, and like Lou kind of comments on that, like in her mind, like in the, in her narration, where she's like, you, she could see how much Saley just wanted companionship. Mm-hmm. And other than the fact that she was dating Saley's ex, there was no reason for them to be enemies. And so then she goes over there and she starts playing with Saley's hair, yeah. which before only her sister had ever done. And I thought that was like such a sweet, turning point for them mm-hmm. because like we said Saylee had to fill that role of what are yeah. we fighting for yeah outside of ourselves and so when when Lou did that she recognized that in Saylee yeah that was a really that was a really loaded sweet scene yeah so after that very sweet fan service scene that I've definitely read too much into they go to dinner where they're supposed to meet Isla. And the goal is to get Isla as an ally against mm-hmm. Morgane because they want to get the Melazines on their side. But Isla ends up not being that responsive. She kind of tricks Bo and sounding like he doesn't really support Lou, but with the intent of like frustrating Lou. And this is where we find out actually that Lou has the white threads now. She is La Dame Sorcière. Mm-hmm. because she gets really frustrated and she like stands up and she starts defending herself and in the midst of doing that turns into the maiden and it's only then that Isla decides to possibly support them so not fully helping yet but um, again like how could you have believed these like quote-unquote truths that Bo is half getting out when you also just revealed that you have your that mother's you are ex- power now. That you are extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. Other goddesses have decided they've deemed you worthy. Yeah. So so that's pretty much where we go there. Yeah. It was all for naught, mostly, because then she puts them on the quest to get Angelica's ring back, because the ring is what holds her her magic, I guess. Yeah. But it's like, they're, like they, there's nothing better in like a adventure when you're like everyone's had a bath <laughs> yeah <laughs> now that we all smell human again and then you got like your backpack with like extra clothes and food salted sea lettuce yeah and then everyone's like walking out of this gross mildewy city i was like that was a good scene for me <laughs> just like yeah. i was it like was- oh, okay let's go and yeah. I love, I, I love the, I love the imagery of just knowing that like Reed is just floating. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, you know, he's just like, his arms are limp and he's just, his like arms are limp and he's just floating yeah. because he's like unconscious, but he's just like floating next to everyone. That's just funny. It was, it was just really funny to me as all. Well. 
And then remembering um, that he's like close to like seven feet tall. Yeah, he's just like this. So he just like passes <laughs> through. You see, you you can't actually see his head and his feet at the same time. <laughs> he's so long that they actually like it goes past the lines of vision. I don't know why it's funny to me. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of ex- assuming he was like upright and is like. Oh, I was assuming he was like horizontal. Oh, really? Because yeah. in my mind, I was just like, he's just like. You know, I don't even know which like, one's better. There's, they both just, they're, they're both, so stupid. They're both so not stupid. like that's not like a comment on the situation. Just like he, he looks so stupid. I know that's situations. why I'm laughing. Like it's just like it's just like oh yeah, but then like no one's, no one's commenting on the fact that that Reed looks so ridiculous right now. Like I don't know. I don't he know why. Just looked like fucking sleeping <laughs> baby or something. Just, I kind of imagine like a uh, fairy dust. Just kind yeah. of sparkling around him with, and he's got like rosy cheeks, and he's just so helpless. A little helpless like boy. A, a bale of roses, and yeah, he's holding flowers. Yeah, or like little birds are like <laughs> holding his him up by his clothes. <laughs> oh God. Okay, I'm so we I'm get getting to... giggly no, you're now. Good, you're good. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, we get back to the beach. He's still passed out, though. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, Saley's the one who suggests true love's kiss. And everyone kind of laughs at her for a second. And then she's like, well, do any of you have any other ideas? Yeah. And they're like, well, I guess not. And so I love that now Saley's actually starting to hold her mm-hmm. own against them. She's learned their ways. Yeah, she feels comfortable enough to, like, have yeah. an input, you know. Yeah, there's this line early on where she's still, yeah, she's still kind of getting to know them and in a very polite way tells Bo that he's a dick. Yeah. And she starts it where she's like, please don't take any offense to this, yeah. your highness. But <laughs> I was like, Fuck. Yeah, I do remember she really that. Knows. Yeah. She's, she's really learning how to keep up with them. Yeah. And the best way to do that is to insult Bo. And you- yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the dynamic that's been established. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. So this is a fun scene. So, okay, so Saley convinces them True Love's Kiss. And there's this moment when, like, they're like, okay, I guess we'll try it. And then Lou, like, kisses yeah. him and is like, oh, I missed him. And I was just like, yeah. I felt that in my bones. I was just like, I know what that feels like. Oh, I miss him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Coming home, you know? Yeah. And then he fucking wakes up and wants to kill her. And it's like, what? The slow realization of what was happening, like mm-hmm. realizing before she realized, was rough, it was, to say the least. It was awful. It was heart-wrenching. I remember being at work being like, no! And then messaging mm-hmm. you and you're like, that's where I'm at. I had to put it down. <laughs> you're like, I can't read. Yeah. I can't go on. But it's actually a pretty good scene. This has been Lou's greatest fear all in book one was that he's going to find out she's a witch. Now he mm-hmm. only sees her as a witch, right? It's like literally flipped. Yep. And so now she's just like, oh, she's just so heartbroken. And she's like, he hates me. I mean, it takes it takes him a while to kind of realize he's not joking, even though that's like yeah. not what Reed would do. To Reed is not a joker. They just didn't want to believe it. And so like 
Reed's like going after her and like has her in like a hold of some kind. And it's so funny because Bo and Celie are to Reed, right? Are like the only redeemable people in this group. Like everyone else is a witch. Yeah. They need to like die. What are you? Why are you mingling with them? And he's like, oh, Celie. Oh, your highness, you know? And he's just like, what are you doing here? And then Lou tries to get like close to him to like convince him and and so then he goes after her, gets her, gets her in like some kind of chokehold or something. And then Bo is like, realizes he still has power to read because he's the prince. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, oh. And he goes, he goes, stop this now. I command it as your, as your crown prince. He finished lamely. Like it was just like a very like, <laughs> oh, I just remember laughing so hard. It was such a Bo moment. And it was like, yeah. Like- all Reed did was forget Lou. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so he still remembers that Bo's his his brother. Yes. And so he's like, I know I don't have to follow you because you're my shitty older brother. Right. Like, he's like, he finished lamely, so it wasn't, like, very authoritative <laughs> or anything. He didn't wield much power. Yeah, and so he's... And at this point, we're not really sure exactly what he remembers, what he doesn't remember specifically. We know that he's not registering who Lou is. Okay, so this episode ended up being very long. So Bethany and I, with, of course, our sweet followers' consent, decided to cut this one into two parts. Yes. So this was a good segue moment into the next pretty much half of the episode where we talk a little bit more about sex and juicier topics and kind of the falling action. So until next week, when that comes out, you can find us on Instagram at in bed with books pod. We'll see you next week. Happy reading. Happy reading. Bye. Bye. Like I said, it's not about explicit, explicitity, you know, you know. (laughs) Stop. Shut up. Shut up.